I tried to picture clusters of information as they moved through the computer. What did they look like? Ships, motorcycles. Were the circuits like freeways? I kept dreaming of a world I thought I'd never see. And then, one day, I got in. Double lard? No. Two million. No, not this week. We don't want double lard this week. Boom. Very so. minimal hassle first time when turning everything on. Hey, nice. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. I am Lard Teammaker, aka Will McKellar. And this is again one player's our podcast. Uh, joining me, as always, looking, looking very felt today, I have to say, is James Atkinson. That's because I got a haircut. <laughs> Because normally we go, oh, haircut, haircut. <laughs> we can't all look like, you know, guys with like semi shaggy hair and beards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> and also, welcome in, Hagelman. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. How's everyone doing today? I'm doing very good. I am doing very good. I've had a, good a good week. How about yourselves? Have you had a good week? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was. I've been having a really good week. I've been having a really good month. Nice. I like that. You know what's going to make my month go to 11? What was that? Was that? Was that? Two weekend, two Saturdays from now. Right, Chris? When Ivan returns. D&D comes back. Mm hmm. Nice. It's going to be super fun. So, on today's show, we have stuff. We have news. We have what we've been playing. We have maybe a little bit of Extra Life update because there has been some movement this week. And so, there's going to be a stretch goal happening. And then, shout outs. And then we can, we can let people enjoy their Saturday. Which isn't much of a Saturday here because it's... I think I think uh, we have all your weather, Will. Yeah, because well, it's nice again now. You know, it was it was crappy in the past, like what half hour, but yeah, it's gotten better. Not here. It's 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 just bad. Ah, oh, sucks, dude. That sucks. It just like it want. It's like not. It's not raining, but it's like totally gray sky. It, and if it's you, not raining, but it will. But it will. But it's the also we try to do anything. It will. Yeah. It's also like warm, but like humid. It's, oh uh, no! It's, so it's like everything's oh, just that. sticky, just sticky. Ugh. Ugh, that's, not warm yeah. yet either. 
Yeah, but it's like warm enough where like the humidity just makes you feel sticky. Yep. <laughs> and then it's cold enough for uh, you know, right to feel kind of cold. Just it's just it's just bad. It's just not fun. That's that sucks. I mean, it's been it's been quite cold here. I mean, we had a um, around Easter Monday. The bank holiday it was bloody warm. Um, it was like early summer here, but now it's just like dipped back down to really cold again. So yeah, I wish the weather would make up its bloody mind. And that's the Channel Nine weather. Next traffic and travel. Well, Mike, going down the M1 right now, it looks like utter shit because they've got four people doing road work, but nobody's actually doing anything. So they've got it down to one lane, making the caravanners who are going down to the south coast because that's what they do be totally dumb fucks. Back to you at the weather desk. Uh, then, of course, <laughs> there is the big event here in lovely, lovely, sunny UK. It's the, the the gameplay reveal of Borderlands Three. Yes. <gasps> um, I'm happy that it's just Borderlands with a few tweaks. And before we move on from the roads, I just need to also comment. Uh, they also do the work on the roads that are fine and smooth, <laughs> and leave the ones with the sixteen like billion potholes, the ones with the two foot drops, the ones with, you know, the things that'll shred your tires. They leave those alone, and they don't touch them forever. But they work on the roads that were, you know, smoothed over a little bit, you know, yep. four or five years back. But they got to look like so, they're doing something, haven't they? Yeah, right. yeah. So this and this isn't a knock against anybody. But let me let let's talk about something. How long does it take for a work sp- like like they they um the Golden Gate Bridge? They were it took them years to repair it, right? Like they would been doing road, they did like work on it to repair it to the point where they have to start doing the maintenance work on it again. That's how long it took. It took like four years. And this is this is true. China's biggest bridge in Beijing, they built. They built in forty eight hours. <laughs> they just they just like they're like okay we've got this we just have to completely redo the road. They tore up the road. Redid all the struts, put the road, put the new road back on, had it done in like two days. It's, yep. It's like tough. It's so there's there's a little bit of insight from the world of concrete from my my previous employments. Um, one of the reasons why they set up in winter is that the companies that actually do the construction, the the contractors who do the work, the physical work are the ones who typically get hired first. And then all of the companies who are providing have to bid on who gets the job. And that takes a long time. So half the time, most of the work gets done pretty quick. So the digging and everything, tearing up the road, you guys notice tearing up, well, mostly for James and our, our US people, tearing up the roads does not take a long time at all. You will see the road stripped very quickly. Mm-hmm. However, putting it all back takes forever because it takes forever for anyone to actually figure out who is supplying the goop to put on the roads. And it's so stupid. I used to go drive across the state, as Chris would know, from uh, Torrington to Manchester. Mm-hmm. Um 
which would mean I would have to go through Hartford. And I would do this on Friday nights to be in a Warhammer League. I played in a 40K League. And um, to give people some context, Warhammer, uh, the, the, the road going through Hartford is already kind of a pain in the ass. But I was driving through it at like 7 o'clock at night, so there shouldn't have been any traffic. Harvard's the biggest city in our state. Which isn't saying much. For for whatever reason, <laughs> the civil engineer decided that working on 84, the, the, the one road that bisects our entire state north to south, on a 7 o'clock on a Friday, taking five lanes of traffic and taking it down to one. I wanted to find that guy, that civil engineer, and just beat the shit out of him because... Who the fuck does that? Uh, that's that's actually, I believe, that's a city problem. I think that's that's the city. No, it was because it, it, it was outside no, no, of Hartford no, no, on eighty four. No, no, I, like Hartford having a declaration of a specific time frame where they're allowed to get things done. I think that's what that one is. Yeah, but like, couldn't you push it back to like I don't know ten o'clock? Again, uh, like that, that one might be the city of Hartford being an asshole. So the engineer himself is not the one going like, all right, this sounds great. Cause half the time it's going to be like, all right, we have to close down two lanes and then we'll swap to the other two. And then we'll just shift the last bit into, you know, the middle lane. If it's a five lane, we'll do that. If it's a, if it's a four lane, we'll just do two and two. That's typically what happens. But when you get weird things like that, it's usually the city being a dick. So today on the work project won't engineer itself. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's there's ninety percent of the time when your roads aren't getting fixed, even though people are supposed to be fixing them, it's not actually the workers' fault. It's usually the red tape. They're higher ups, and the people who pay their higher ups. Once again, why I wanted to kick the shit out of the civil engineer, and not the guys doing the road work. Right. Because yeah, um, as we all know, shit rolls down. Yeah. We learned that lesson very quickly, very early. <laughs> Speaking of shit rolling downwards, <laughs> Broadlands free. It looks good. It does. As a looter shooter, it does look good. It you know, guns with legs. Yes, please. It just just looking at what the just like at kind of like it, they kept it in Borderlands, but they didn't add a queer, weird air mechanic. For me, it's like they kept the core gameplay. They they give you different skills to use with the characters, and they've added different shooting modes for some of the guns. But essentially, that's all they've added, which I think is enough. Yeah, because Borderlands is fun as it was. You know, you don't need to change too much because you could potentially take the fun away. And Randy Pitchford, he made a he made a statement, said no microtransactions. They weren't going to use that nonsense. Hey, and there was big cheering. And then when they got clarification from another boss, they went, um, yeah, except for cosmetic stuff there in there. And when journalists pointed out, Randy Pitchford had a t Twitter tantrum. It's like, well, you know, you lied. <laughs> People are calling you out on it. Hold your hand up and say, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Rather than going, oh, generous from jerks. Why, why do they keep picking on me? Accurate representation and impress impression of Randy Pitchford there. Just people... Just, I get, like... 
I get what people are saying. Like, you know, it's like no micro like <laughs> if they it would have been better if there's no microtransactions of anything that would break the gameplay. There. <laughs> that would have been you know, that would have been fine. You would have been telling the truth. There's no microtransactions that affect gameplay. There are, but if, it, if they said there are microtransactions in the game, but they're just cosmetics, people would have been like, oh, yeah, it's what, what, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody is against microtransactions for making your character look good. Especially if it's something you can still get in the game by playing the game. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong with that? Uh, I, I, I think, you know, if they're, they're in the game to be earned, just earn them. As but a, as me and Chris have talked about, the true end game of all MMOs is how fancy you can make your character look. <laughs> it's not about getting the best raid loot or gear. It's about how badass or flavorful or colorful you want your character to look. I mean, we've done that with uh, extras in D&D before. All right, sorry about that. One of Rob's uh, characters, I'm sure it was one of his wolves that he had, uh, was then put in a wheelchair. I know it was one of the group, whether if it was Rob's or not, but it was put in a wheelchair, had sausages on its hat, on its paws, because <laughs> it's like couldn't walk, so it's sitting in his wheelchair, pushed around. Was he a ranger? <laughs> Is that why he had wolves? I think one of them were was. Okay. Yeah. But this is like like four 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 point five edition. It's just like weird shit we used to get So okay, because I, 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 me trying to understand the context here is like I have my animal companion that has a handicap and has to be in a wheelchair and has sausages on its claws. Like, that's pretty much all oh, I walked in on, we, and I I didn't. Know. There was no context needed. It's uh, no, it's fine. Context optional. That's you know that's our subtag. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just trying to figure out on, on like a role playing perspective, like, what does that mean? Because as, as we know, and as, 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 as I think most, um, most people will understand with D and with their D and D groups, any campaign that lasts for any reasonable amount of time, mm-hmm. you know, more than I'm, I'm going to say over under four sessions, um, like it's usually starts off like, as most people say, Monty Python. It's like, let's be joking and ha ha ha. But then like somewhere around like session like 10 to 12 is like when everybody starts getting serious and like they start forgetting about like all the meme shit they did earlier on in the campaign. Like your handicapped sausage finger dogs. <laughs> no, we remembered that. <laughs> Even while we were getting a bit more serious, it's like, right, okay. <laughs> We, but we got this this wolf. The other thing is, it's D and D. Can't you just cast magic like restoration on it and freaking heal it? They didn't want to fix the wolf. Just fix it. It was funny and leaving it as it was. That's <laughs> what we did. Speaking of things that needed fixing, Sonic the Hedgehog. Did you see the trailer? We have the trailer queued up. Yep. Do you, do you want to show it to the people? Let's let's show it to the people. Um, I we're apologize. sorry. We're sorry. Please put away small children. Yes this this could this could be scarring. This could very much be scarring. They've yeah, been put the women children to bed. It. <laughs> yeah, it's it could be very bad.
gotta go fast. Twenty minutes ago, an energy surge knocked out power across the entire Pacific Northwest. This needs someone who can figure out exactly what we're dealing with. You're not suggesting who I think you're suggesting. We have no choice. What the? Are you in charge here? Yes, I am. Nope! I'm wrong. Wait. I'm in charge. Allow me to clarify. In a sequentially ranked hierarchy based on level of critical importance, the disparity between us is too vast to quantify. Agent Stone? The doctor thinks you're basic. Listen, pal, I don't know if you realize who- I'm sorry, Major. What was your name? Benny. Nobody cares! SFPD! Uh, meow? Come on. Okay, pal, I want answers. Basically, it looks like I'm gonna have to save your planet. <laughs> oh, is that all you got? No, but thank you for asking. Uh-oh. Whatever this creature is, our job is to secure it, neutralize it, see what makes it tick. steps today. Stay in there and be quiet. How much longer? I can't breathe in here. Do you have your child in that bag? No. I mean, yes, it's a child, but it's not mine. It's not your child. It smells like body spraying an old ham sandwich. Now see, that last clip is what I wanted to see. We can we can talk about what it is, what it's good, what's not good about it. But essentially what I want to talk about is I want to see the post-apocalyptic like Eggman movie. <laughs> yeah, the, see yep. he looked more like Eggman at the end, or as we know him, Dr. Robotnik. Right at the end. Mm. So recall, just... <laughs> those are two separate people in the sonic lore <clears throat> i have dr eggman is dr robotnik's grandson if i recall there's something with that i don't remember so sonic like I... has like an extended lifespan that he outlives <sighs> dr robotnik well i i think it's kind of an elseworld situation where dr robotnik was before sonic in some timelines and there are some where he's during sonic so got it so legend of zelda yeah. stuff yeah. So, um, the, now we should clarify that that's probably not how Sonic is going to look because they've heard the backlash and they're going to redesign him. Um, I really want them to just make him epic swole. Like, just, <laughs> like, buffs a key tier. Or it's just, like, little tiny hedgehog head. And then the rest is just big muscles everywhere for no good reason. Oh, like the, um, hang on, I gotta find it. Let me find it. Let's see if it's still around. Uh, 
Right, I am going to tweet a different version of this to you guys live while we're here. Uh, <laughs> and this is one that a remix version that um, Eurogamer did of the Gangsters Paradise running part. But yeah, it's like oh, I looked at I looked at him and went, "What the hell have they done to Sonic?" All right, here it is. Um, I'm gonna show it up on the screen here. It, it's not. Walt Disney has. I can't. I can't actually show that. Um, but here's the uh, here's the picture I looked at, and just thought maybe this, Chris. I gotta <laughs> keep it up. Just keep it going. Don't take it down. <laughs> well, we found well, tails. We got a Rage Two ad. I'm excited for that. By the way, I'm real excited for Rage Two. Oh yeah, hey, no, on it. Great. On it now. Oh yeah, it's due date. It's it's release date is soon. Yeah, and you can buy it on Steam and not the Epic Store. I really don't care where. Neither do I. I just want it. And then there was also uh, Ian posted about um, the Tails fashion picture, which I thought was amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, that's what you want, right? Pretty much. Just only only like the CGI head still. Hey, guys. Yeah, like just like. Just CGI, just like CGI the Sonic head on just the like the, rocks, the modern, the rocks modern, body. Uh, yeah, the the modern, the modern video game ones, the modern three D video game ones, and just put that onto the rock's body. Yeah, and just like, and, and we're or not like, even or Jason Momoa's body, either or. I'll take either one. And it just, and the funny part is, just like, not even like, just just like really badly blued CG'd. So like, they just put them like, like, like it's look, just a blue filter, like it's just and a blue filter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just that. It'd be good. <laughs> Leave the voice the same, so it just doesn't match up. No, no, we we gotta have um, '90s Sonic voice actor do it. No, 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 no. What's his name? Fuck. What's his name? Vin Diesel. We gotta have Vin Diesel do it. Then just use Vin Diesel's body. He's Jack too. <laughs> Well, you can go, I am Sonic for about two hours. <laughs> I am Groot. Well, just have Vin Diesel and The Rock be that. Sonic and Tails. And just have it just be like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to Twitter right now. Already best lore. 10 out of 10. And have it be done by the Fast and the Furious directors. Because they know how to make it go fast. <laughs> that's that's Vin Diesel. Yeah, that's why Vin Diesel is Sanic. I just I, I know that film is not you know, specifically aimed at us, but, but it is. Like, come on, this is this is our childhood. But it is. It, it is aimed at us. This is about Hollywood making nostalgic movies to get us to come in because they can't make anything new. <laughs> So they're Bob like, Bosk, Sonic. <laughs> with like this urn that's blue with spikes on it. And and the and the sad part about this is like, I I kind of agree with Mahanari. It's like I, I'm kind of in on Jim Carrey being 
Dr. Robotnik. Like, yeah, I didn't even know he was doing the part. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, we're getting like 90s, like Jim Carrey <laughs> playing yep. Dr. Robotnik. Like, I'm down. I kind of like new age Jim Carrey, like, you know, like expanding like to artist Jim Carrey. But like, I'm fine with him being going back to the 90s. I loved Ace Ventura growing up because I was like a kid. <laughs> and like, that's what you needed to be to enjoy those movies. Yep. <laughs> but like, I'm all in on that. So it's like, well, but Sanic, it does not look good. But Dr. Robotnik looks amazing. <laughs> He does. He looks the part. That's, he does, the, and he the... looks like he acts the part too. They're just like, it's almost like they like he knew the movie was gonna be bad, <laughs> but he he's getting paid for it. So he's just like, can I just give the most over over the top performance I can? Yeah, I mean that's him all the time. If you do, if you hire Jim Carrey, and you tell him, you know, do a thing, if you don't tell him to dial it back, he's gonna go fucking nuts with it. But that's but but that's the beauty of it. Like Jerry Maguire, yeah. or no, was it him? Jerry Maguire? No, liar, liar. Sorry, I get those yeah, two. Liar, liar. Like liar, liar. Like those early like Jim Carrey movies where like he's just out of control is great. I mean, yeah. granted, you could talk about you know the fact that he's bipolar and had depression issues and like that's like kind of was his outlet of not being himself. But yeah, but still, like he. That's, I mean, look, he did it in a constructive way. Like he did. He had issues and he made it. He he made something. He did something that he he found therapeutic and it created and, things and, that people enjoyed. And now he paints, <laughs> which is and once again paints. a better, a good outlet for everything. Yeah, but at the same time, like you know, you it, it, thinking about coming and I know we're pulling off this Taco Joe Carey, but like looking at his sun, spotless sunshine of like the was it sunshine of the darkless mind or something that movie he made. Yeah, the serious one. Puts a whole new twist on that movie, knowing about what it's got, what he's gone through in his life. Mm-hmm. Like it's like wow. Also, if anybody hasn't seen it, he did Being Andy, a Netflix do- documentary about being Andy Kaufman in the Man, Man on, on the, the Moon. Yep. It's it's it is a great sixty minute watch. Like because like when, when he did Man on the Moon though he got tried to get under Jerry Lawler's skin a bit. He did. He tried to get. He talks <laughs> get about him. that. Well, because. It's almost um, it's almost the Heath Ledger thing because he he even said that there was points in time where like <laughs> he would like and they they show it because this is all the back like because Jim Carrey had a camera crew following him during the making of this, and it was like to the point where like they were looking at like Andy Kaufman's family, and they're like sitting there going like, we can't tell sometimes if we we think that like Andy's still here with us like that's the level that Jim Carrey was going to. It went to the point where, like, Andy, uh, what was the Andy Kaufman used to play that really annoying asshole guy? Uh, what was one of his characters? It was yeah, like, I'm just remembering his name of it. The name of the guy now. The sun, the sun, the sunglasses, and like the overweight, and he had like the ruffled down thing. We all know the character. Yeah, we know. I, I can't remember his bloody name now. Uh, I'll pull it up. Um, Andy. Tony something. Yeah, Tony, uh, Tony Clifton, Tony Clifton. Tony Clifton. There we go. Yeah. So, to give you how into this he was, um, during during the movie, uh, Jim Carrey gets invited to the Playboy Mansion, right? Right. So this has been while well, he's been doing the Tony Clifton shoots, 
Meanwhile, during the Tony Clifton shoots, and Jim Carrey is driving into the lot in like the Tony Clifton suit with a bag over his head and a brown paper bag filled with a half-drinking bottle of schnapps that he's already started with, parking his car wrong and going into makeup as Tony Clifton. Like, he's drove onto the lot, said, I'm Tony Clifton, I'm here to play in the movie, right? That's how crazy Jim Carrey's getting with this. He one time walked into Steven Spielberg's office on the the production line demanded to talk to the shark guy made a big fit with his production staff as tony clifton and then left but to pull back to the story he goes to so they send andy the so tony clifton goes to the to the playboy mansion and now sometimes andy kaufman would have his writing partner play tony clifton and he wouldn't yeah. be there so tony clifton's there just doing the Tony Clifton thing. And everybody's like, oh, this is great. Jim, you're so funny. Ha 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 ha. Three hours later, Jim Carrey shows up. <laughs> <laughs> to the Playboy Mansion. He goes, hi, Hef, how's it going? And everybody's sitting there going like, we thought, we thought. The fuck? <laughs> like, we've been dealing with this asshole the entire time. It is not even fucking Jim Carrey. <laughs> I can't, I can't stress it enough. If you have it, being Andy is a great, it is a great documentary, but it also gives you like an insight into like, into Jim Carrey a little bit and like how deep he went into the role. Like he, yeah. and Andy Kaufman's estranged daughter, like who has been a part with the family, like sat and talked with Jim Carrey for like two hours and like it helped her move past her father's death. Like, wow. That's how crazy it got. And like Lawler, like even now with like when he's talking about Jim Carrey, he said Jim mm-hmm. Carrey was like really getting under his skin to the like to the point where like that scene where you see him on Leno together in the movie. Yep. Yep. He really did cold cock him on he that did, one. Well, he, he, he did cold cock him because right before the right before the take, Jim Carrey leans into him and says, Fucking punch me. And he did. And it was the react, and it was, and so yeah, no, it it just gives you an idea like what ends it. So, uh, needless to say, uh, Jim Carrey, uh, great actor, should be cast as Eggman. If you go see the movie, go see it because you're supporting Jim Carrey. Yeah, because we we know this is not going to because he hasn't done a lot recently. He's been doing his own thing, and I mean, I I love his painting. I really do. Um, I don't I know. Feel like, I, I feel like if he decided to paint on Twitch, he would have an enormous following. Jack Black has a video game channel. That I'm really excited about. I love it. I, I do too. It's, it's, it's it, like he, get, once again, if there's, we've talked about this, especially last week with uh, Elon Musk and Twitter. Like mm-hmm. he gets it. Jack Black gets the platform he's on, right? Yeah. He gets the that he's on YouTube, and it's like every Friday. And the funny part is, it's like he's doing it with his kids, and he's getting his kids involved in it. And like, mm-hmm. like his kid, like they did a whole thing about model trains, and I'm like, this is this is great. <laughs> like, this so that's is- that's the thing about Jack Black is that he he's always been like the most genuine. Yeah. Out of out of everyone I've seen in like Hollywood and everything, Jack Black, because he's never given a shit. He's 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 he went in as a parody band to start, and he just 
kept going. He he did jokey things, and he's you know he's just doing things that he wants to have fun with, and so that's his whole shtick. That's his wheelhouse. Uh, I believe he produced and also directed Goosebumps because he enjoyed Goosebumps and he wanted to see it. I, I like. Can, I can let me take a look here and see. Uh... He's always been he's always been like about things he wants to do. He's always been about things he enjoys, and it's not, he's like he doesn't he doesn't really go into things that isn't uh, isn't something he's interested in. He was in the Gorillas music video. Yep. Wow. Yep. Obviously Jumanji, and they're filming a second one. Jumanji, by the way. Uh, which, by the way, was really entertaining. <laughs> like, I saw that movie in theaters, and I was like, this this isn't bad. Uh, I'm just pulling up. I'm on IMDb right now. I'm just uh, pulling up the uh, direction, the cast, uh, alphabetical order, produced. Now, he didn't produce it, Okay, Jack Black. I'd like to think he did, though. In my, in my head canon, he did. So, yeah, the third, the third Jumanji, as Maladavi points out. <laughs> this is true. I know, I know he was heavily involved with working with them, at the very least. He, he was very, very involved in, in the production of it. Yeah. Um, besides just being, you know, the, the lead, he was very involved. And that's all I, I remember is, like, he, he was... He didn't want it to, to be... Well, he plays Arl Stein. Yeah. yeah. Like... I like the fact no, that no, like, like as far as the the back end of it, I I remember him, you know, talking about being very very involved in it. I'm sure. Least. I imagine because he loved it, the, like you said, as he loved the books. He, his kids probably have read them too. I'm imagining mm-hmm. like this seems to be like one of those one of those projects that the that the father is doing because his kids love the material. Yeah. No. That's that's that was one of his commentaries. Was I believe he said uh, there's I saw a lot of interviews. You know, a couple years back. And I just I can't remember like a lot of the specifics of it, but like the gist of it was that he he's starting to do things that he wants his kids to be able to look back on and be like that was really fun and that was really awesome. Well, it's like it's, it's the same thing happened with um the Street Fighter movie. The guy who did the guy who played um of course <laughs> Bison, he did it because his kids loved Street Fighter and it like he yeah. was like a huge actor and like it was a bad movie but his kids loved it so he's like yeah they like it i'm gonna do it mm-hmm. so you know and, and i think that's where we get some of the more some of the more interesting um some of the more interesting roles for some major actors when they do this kind of stuff yeah because they're not they're not doing it for money right if they're doing it to make their kids happy and how can that be a bad thing no and precisely. <laughs> also, the fact that he was in Drunk History as a bunch of stuff, uh, Jack Black. Uh, apparently, he played Orson Welles in one of the Drunk Histories. That because that makes sense. Chase's <laughs> D post-apocalyptic, post-apocalypto. Oh God, just keep keep going, Jack Black. We 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 appreciate everything you do. He does a lot of weird, like, um, I think they're Japanese game shows. Yeah. He does a lot of stuff in Japan, too. 
Like that's the thing. He he speaks Japanese or Korean, which whichever one. I think it's H- Japanese though. Him and Korean Ryan Reynolds. Him and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. They just um there's a game show I believe that he goes back to pretty frequently. And he hangs out with everyone and he like he just has a great time just being himself and hanging out with the people he made friends with. Cuz he did it this just this one time just out of the blue and uh you know, the, the people on board loved it. The people working with loved it. They just all had fun. Um, some of the challenges were really funny. It, I can't remember what it's called, but... What's Jablin's Jables? You know, a series of videos of it with, with just Jack Black, you know, game show. And it's it's fun. It's hilarious. He goes back and forth between uh, English and Japanese, of course, but it's it's a blast. Yeah, he's just... Once again, it's one of the few people who I would I would actually love to meet, just because I think yeah. he would be as happy happy and excited about meeting you, as you exactly. would be about meeting him. Yeah, it, like it'd be it'd be a circumstance of like, you know, you meet him, you're excited, then he goes, "Oh, what do you do?" And then you tell him, and he goes, "Oh, that's so cool," like and, that type of shit. And has like a certain knowledge about it too. Yeah, like yeah. has like some background and grounding in it, like. You know, because you could tell him like I do a ch- channel, a gaming channel on YouTube. He's like, "Yeah, how's it going?" And, like he'd be like, "Want to talk to you about?" <laughs> he'd he'd want to just like hang out and just to talk about that and just just very a very genuine, very genuine experience. Yeah. So, needless to say, Jablinski Games. If you aren't following it, follow it. <laughs> His most recent one is like it's clips from him when he was filming the Jumanji movie, and. So it's like him with the rock talking about video games and then also him bowling with his friends. It's like, this is great. <laughs> it's all shot on his iPhone. I'm like, he gets it. Yep. Just like Elon, the destroyer of memes. No, sorry. That's <laughs> PewDiePie. Yeah. D- D- PewDiePie is the ender. The ender of memes. I forget what Elon is again. The I- meme necromancer. Yes. Because he brings, he brings them back. <laughs> That's the, okay. So that's the thing about Elon Musk is like, there's a lot of people who are speculating that like Tesla's gonna fail and like all all of his projects are gonna fall apart. It doesn't matter because he'll just go, you know, be him and just hang out. Do you know just... what isn't failing? SpaceX. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so and and by the way, uh, Elon Musk's <laughs> tweet from yesterday. He's changing the Tesla horn sound to a goat. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just cause he can. Yep. Well, speaking of changes, the uh, the the development team uh, on Anthem are moving now to uh, Dragon Age Four, but Bioware is insisting that they're still one hundred percent committed to Anthem. Sure. Is this is this really a surprise to anyone? No. No, not really. <laughs> that look, this is the circumstance that they're in: is that they keep messing up games, and now they're trying to consolidate the the teams so that they can identify the quality. And then once they figure that out, they're going to end up sending them off because they're you know morons at the moment. Do we think that that Bioware will be, a be allowed to finish Dragon Age Four and release it? Yes. And be if it's a failure, will this be the, the the next victim of EA. Yep. When they've been shuttered. I, I say yes to both. Because it looks like it. And I, I, I'd rather they didn't, but 
the writing's on the wall already for me. That that being said, too, I mean, you, you have had video game companies who have come back from hugely shambolic shit. I mean, Capcom is having a redo like you haven't seen in a long time. Like, yeah. Capcom is, like, coming out big and swinging hard and, like, doing some great work. I mean, for me, you know, Devil May Cry 5 is my game of the year. Changed my mind. Yeah, well, that's the thing about Capcom is Capcom has that freedom. Bioware is very much... It's it's Bioware and DICE are the things keeping EA up. So if Bioware goes, then... You know, they, they don't have much of a leg to stand on. Yeah, they don't. I mean, the other thing, too, is that maybe, and I don't say that this would happen because EA's probably got them over a barrel, but maybe Bioware does a uh, Activision. Or, does, sorry, does a Bungie and just goes, we're out. Taking my IPs and going. That would yeah. be, well, that's the thing. That wouldn't matter anymore. That wouldn't, I don't think that would change that. I think if they just left, it would just be a different death. Or we're going to see all those people who have already left Bungie form their own studio and start creating games. That's what I expect more. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's kind of the circumstance that would basically And turn... then get bought by Microsoft yeah. and just told to just keep making games. <laughs> am, I, am I wrong? <laughs> or get bought out by Epic. <laughs> or get bought by Epic. Or get bought by Epic. You know, like Psionics. Um, but, like, the the circumstance with Bioware is that the majority of the devs that made the games that everyone fell in love with, they're all yeah. gone. They're all doing their own thing, or they're done with, you know, working on that. Um, it, it's, it's a sad truth, but Bioware has fallen. And unless this release is something... If they're, if they're taking the dev teams from Anthem... Mm. And I believe the writing for Andromeda was okay. If I'm recalling people talking about it because I didn't play it, I I don't have that judgment on my own. It was bad. Um, The writing was bad? Yep. Okay. I can enjoy streaming this then. (laughs) Okay. Because I was was saying, I I, I was under the impression that it was okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't awful. That's what I thought it was. The the writing was better than Destiny's? But it's not okay. up to Bioware standards. Okay. So, and it, also some possible. of the faces, like it was kind of like one of the things where, like, you'd go and you'd talk to a person, and it wouldn't be cutscenes. Like you'd walk right. up because it's all from first person view. By the way, you'd make your characters looks, and then you'd, everything else was in the first person perspective, unless you were in your mech suit, so you wouldn't know oh, what I your character that. looked like. <laughs> so, but then you would. You would walk up to the person to talk to them, and you think, okay, cutscene, right? But they're cutscenes. Oh, cut no, scenes... I'm talking about Andromeda. Oh, Andromeda. Andromeda's writing. I'm, yeah, talk- yeah, yeah. I'm talking, oh, okay. I'm, Andromeda. I didn't know I'm about, about I, I figured Anthem's writing was pretty garbo. But it was, because in like, and they all emoted by standing still. Yep. Because they didn't so, ever move around and talk. <clears throat> I know you played Andromeda. How was Andromeda's writing? I believe it was okay. It was okay. The, the, I've been, and I want to go back and finish my Andromeda series, because like, it's, for me, the writing was okay. It was okay. It's not like Mass Effect 2 good. Right. It was okay. The line delivery was a little iffy on some people, but the gameplay was solid. It's probably the funnest gameplay of any of the Mass Effects. 
So that that kind of seems to be where I can see this uh, Dragon Age 4 turning out all right. I don't know if they have a different team for the Dragon Age than than for... Because I don't know what they've done internally. So I don't know if the Dragon Age team is still separate um, from the Mass Effect team. But uh, if if they're combining... I, I'm basing it off of if they're merging all their teams because that's what it seems like the, the issue is. This Bioware is merging all their teams um, so that they can get things done. Um, if they are, then they really need to basically put the Bioware team, not the Bioware, the, uh, the Mass Effect team onto the writing and really focus out the writing and then apply their experience in building gameplay. Because that seems to be where all their games keep failing beyond other technical issues. But the writing just doesn't make up for it. So with Anthem, uh, from everything I've seen and, and from what I've garnered, is that Anthem's gameplay is smooth. The gameplay is smooth. Andromeda's gameplay was smooth. Inquisition's gameplay. Was smooth. Is, yeah, it really is. I mean, I'm enjoying the hell out of Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah, but Inquisition was, was the previous team. Yeah. I remember that because I was working with them at PAX. And I know that in the time frame between me at PAX and them at PAX, it's a different team at this point. Right. So, this is my shout-out to EA. Listen to this. Get a team, have them focus on writing. Make sure that it's all flushed out. Make sure that every little thing has been taken care of. Avoid your plot holes. Make sure that your writing reads well as a book. Then, work on the gameplay. Because your gameplay has been good. Your gameplay has been stellar. But it's not good enough to make up for the other failures. After that, delivery is... That doesn't make that much of a difference. With Anthem, I imagine that the animation is smoother than Andromeda. This would be something for James to confirm or deny. Uh, <laughs> yes and no. Um, the I mean, essentially for me, like Anthem and Andromeda play. It, it's essentially the same gameplay, except right. you can fly around in your mech suit. The problem with Ant with Anthem was what made it difficult to play is that the root the loot table was Garbo. It had bad rolls on guns, and in some cases, powers weren't calculating. The percentages correctly so you're you would end up being underpowered in certain right. fights so, so it was more the so it was tough to judge that gameplay because it right. was like essentially just nobody had really number crunched it really well um which it sounds like the the opposite was the case for um andromeda they did a, they did a good job crunching the numbers for andromeda right and 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 once again andromeda is a single player game versus a multiplayer game Right, so it's you versus PVE enemies. So there's there's the ability to adjust the difficulty, which um, that would that would probably be the case again. That's the case again for for Dragon Age. So letting letting that team basically handle the number crunching would be probably more ideal, and just kind of blend the uh, the the development and and um like gameplay development teams. 
so that we get the the control scheme and the feel of the game to you know get fleshed out and smoothed out and then the numbers involved to to really you know balance that out but then my question was how was the animation in anthem because that was the big issue that andromeda had good and bad you could tell the the faces were a lot better okay like the face like the people looked like people my one problem is that like i felt like especially like if you weren't in like a story related cutscene, like one that had people moving yeah if you were just like going up and talking to NPCs and stuff like that, there was no di- there was nothing dynamic dynamic about the game. Right. They it was like, very from what I can garner. It, it it's was basically a small animal. world after all. <laughs> like it's that. Like they would sit there and they would talk to you and they'd move your hands, but it'd be like, I'm in this person's office and they don't want to like get up and like walk over, pick up a paper or anything. They just talked to you, like they just stared at you and just talked to you and gestured and then that was it, and then your character walked away. So yeah, in that in that case, basically leave the leave the facial animations to Anthem, leave the body animations to to the other team. Yeah, and just just take the best from both of your bits and make sure quality check the shit out of it. Push the goddamn game back to make sure it's quality check. That's that's going to be the huge thing with with Dragon Age. What like the dragon? And I I do agree that it is kind of a make or break for them because yeah. if it's rushed and it's shit. They're pretty much done. That's that's the end. Because they, they have nothing left. They have no people hopeful for a franchise. Yeah. Because people aren't hopeful for a second Andromeda. People aren't hopeful for, you know, the next piece of Anthem. Yeah. They push back the Anthem raid because it, it's, it's still not good. Like, they're pushing... Like, they've basically taken their roadmap, taught, like, ripped it and threw it out the window. I mean, at least with Destiny, <laughs> you had a roadmap and they followed it. Yeah, as Garbo as you may think Destiny is, at least like the the develop like Bungie and Activision, like they followed the roadmap. The content may have been subpar, but at least they were giving you content and they were telling you when you were getting it. Yeah, I mean this also makes sense. Like we also kind of hear like you know they're downsizing the Anthem team. I mean that's mm-hmm. what happens. Like now now that they're not in full game development mode, they they do downsize teams because they're in a maintenance mode. Yep. Yeah. So it makes sense why they're pulling those, like the creative, you don't need the creative team there. If they, if they've already built these raids and assets that were supposed to come out, then they don't need that. You don't need that development team there anymore. Not at all. It's why you sometimes get layoffs near the end because the main work for that game is done. So they're not needed there with it. The, the quote basically from a gentleman who worked dark age of Camelot was, um, when you go into game design, every 18 months you have a new job. Uh, that That's kind of... Uh, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but... Yeah. His statement was basically, every 18 months in, in the game design industry, in AAA games, every 18 months... And it's kind of extended now, it's kind of more like every 36, but... Basically, you have time to finish most of your degree, uh, and then you have to find a new job for your senior year. Like, in a, in a college perspective. Well, I don't know if they will beat a test as crafty rebel gladly <laughs> step up again. <laughs> would you would you let me do it? I'll, I'll, I'll gladly play Frightened Dragons because uh, <laughs> she's my guide during my playthrough of Inquisition. Oh boy! Just so I don't screw up too much, you know. <laughs> um, 
It happens. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the, the only other bit of news is kind of related to this was, you know, with studios potentially shuttering or buying. Psyonix was bought by Epic Games, as I mentioned not long ago, uh, who are made, you know, they, they made Rocket League, the rampant success of that game is. Now, mm-hmm. the wording when this was happening was saying that, and this threw a lot of confusion into the works, was Steam users, Steam people who have, have it on Steam, they will still be looked after. You know, any future bits will go to them. But it wasn't at the time full clarification that later on in the year when Rocky League comes to Epic Games Store, that it will still be on Steam. Now, apparently since that had, that came out, they have said, yeah, we're still going to be selling it on Steam. But at the time, it was a worry there. It was like, oh, are they going to take it away from Steam now again? And there's like another move in the fight that seems to be brewing between them two. It was it generally seems time. like the... Uh... The actual war between them has been kind of settled. That that's what it seems like as far as hearing what these these uh smaller companies and everything and the distribution. It sounds like the the war per se is over, and it's just kind of skirmishes left and right. It's like oh well you know maybe this project will will be over here only. But it seems it, it, it's sounding like it's a move to try and spread out rather than try and consume. Yeah, that's what I'm getting as far as. Like, well, I hope so. I mean, because it's better for us rather than, you know, right. picking things off and putting them exclusively behind one bit because then we'd have to choose. And unless you're able to choose, that's, you know, that's sometimes it's not good for a consumer that way. No. And that's that's another important thing is is that's what it looks like. Not Epic per se, but the Unreal team yeah. has been trying to focus on. Because, uh, so Unreal 3 was free to develop with, and then they had a hefty, hefty licensing fee. It was yeah. something to the tune of, like, um, a flat rate of, like, 10000 or something like that, and then, uh, like, a small percentile after that. Right. Um, and, like, the bigger the game, the, the, the different the percentile. But they came out with uh, UE4, and it was... The licensing fee is twenty bucks a month for maintenance, uh, maintenance and updates. And after you paid for it, whatever version you had was yours. For I think it was like a five percent um, cost, so five yeah. percent gross. And then they just they they further went and just said, "Fuck it, no no monthly cost." And uh, that actually forced um, CryEngine. To step into a similar format, I believe CryEngine is five percent, um, and then I think they're a uh, uh, ten a month. Um, they may have gone free at this point. I'm not sure. I haven't double checked. Uh, but Unity is basically the only one who still has a harder licensing fee because Unity Pro is something to the tune of like a grand or something. But Unreal has all its features and its updates and everything free. And I mean, obviously they're doing exceptionally. Otherwise they wouldn't be able to turn around and go, yeah, we can just launch a store. Like... I mean, from what I'm hearing though, and again, some of this is from Jim Sterling, so 
it may be exaggerated slightly. <laughs> you take it with to. a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. Um, the store isn't finished. I mean, you know, there's like a shopping basket, for example, apparently isn't there. Um, some of the terms, conditions in terms of the information they have on you is a bit apparently too much for some people. But again, this is this is from what I'm hearing rather than me seeing my own eyes. Oh my god, what is Steam going to do? Sell the fact that I play Football Manager like 18 hours a day? <clears throat> right. This guy really likes soccer. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, here's the thing with um with with Unreal and the the um the Epic Store is that mm-hmm. it does it does have that shopping cart. It does have the access to look through that. It's had that for a long time. Um they they've had that because they have the the marketplace for creators. They basically just moved the marketplace format, so they're they're redoing the format for the market. The marketplace was, it wasn't exceptional. It wasn't. I mean, obviously, it's not as fleshed out as Steam is. The marketplace for uh, Unreal Engine is where they're stemming out of, and so it's kind of patching in the the issues with the marketplace. So I, I can see him having issues with that because the marketplace is designed for people to make games, not get games. It's very much a different horse. But uh, overall, it's still still a, a similar ride. So now they're just making sure, you know, to adjust. Yeah, it's stuff that's apparently like coming soon in a roadmap they have of getting the store up and running properly. Yeah. It's... But yeah, um... I'm I'm not on that yet, so <clears throat> they'll wait and see really what happens to PC stuff because a lot of their exclusives Cosmic. I can just get on Cosmic. Hey, Cosmic Gamers is here. Hi, friends. Oh, hello. How's it going? Hi. So the well, big thing about the marketplaces is that hmm. I, I'm I'm hoping that they remove exclusivity, like. Timed exclusivity is fine. That's 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 all right. People can wait, you know, a few months to to get a, another game. Yeah. Um. But like full blown exclusivity is is bad for industries. You see that in Netflix and Hulu and and all of the these streaming sites for videos. Um, I believe Smithy. the anime. Hello. Uh, hello. Hello. I believe the anime industry is the one that like shows off the most with mm-hmm. those problems, because like ultimately they're not competing. They're they're not actually, you know, trying to to work against each other or work with each other. They're just they don't care. Yeah. So what they do doesn't affect the opposite. In this case, it certainly does, and that's important because the consumer gets the best deal out of it. Devs will probably get the best deal out of it. So we're gonna see access easier access to better games to to. I mean, obviously, we're going to see easier access to more games, but we're going to see easier access to better games, too. Because the, yeah. the the viewpoint is going to be larger. Because that's one thing I, I've noticed, too, as far as, like, hanging around in, like, the, uh, the IGDC, I believe. Yeah, IGDC. IGDQ? IGD, whatever it is. Fucking all these letters. The, the independent games groups. Um, we like chit-chatting about our projects to each other. Yeah. We like fleshing it out, and we bounce ideas off of each other. We get critiques. We look to each other. And so when 
you have small groups who are more visible to each other being more visible to each other you're going to get more people who have you know expertise in in one field commenting about you know how to best make it for another project like hilariously enough we're cooperative there's 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 a mindset of course uh to to hide and shell away your your projects but sometimes sometimes that works some projects that works with some projects that don't i believe like scott coffin's way of doing it is very much i'm just gonna do my thing and you know see what comes of it and it's worked for him very well but you have other people who are like yeah come come talk to me come break my game you know show me what's weird yeah. give me ideas help please <laughs> like if you have a game and you have an idea to make a game Someone else has probably also had that idea. There's a 95% chance of someone having that idea. Say 80. That's a better bet. 80% chance that someone else has already had that idea, that someone else has already talked about that idea, but someone may not necessarily be executing that idea. If somebody has a similar idea, but does not have the skill set you have to make it happen, but may have thought out a certain system that you intend to use, and have a better concept of that, you know, bounce ideas, flesh out your systems, get things going. I'll use one example um, of what I'm doing for Dawnrise is I'm basically going to be rebuilding uh, Bioware's like kind of relationship system or, uh, or, or something similar off of Skyrim's. I have no idea how the fuck to do that, but what I do know how to do is I know how to look at a system and kind of break it down backwards. So I'm I'm basically just reverse engineering things that people have already done. I'm, I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm just tweaking some ideas that were made and executed exceptionally well. Yeah. And my goal is to then send it back to people who do make things like these and be like, hey, what can I fix? What can I what can I rework? What can I adjust? So it's like. I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm not a programmer. I'm not good at programming. There's no two ways about that. I'm not good at, like, anything. But I have enough of an understanding to start pushing to get that form going. And that's one thing. So this is this is a little shout-out to everybody who wants to make a game at some point. Who, who sit there and go, I would love to make a video game. Get yourself either Unity, Unreal, Godot. Get yourself an engine. Find an engine. And just start plugging. Even if you don't think your project will ever go, just start working on it. Just start making something. Google is your best friend. Humanity has turned into a hive mind. Tap into the hive mind. Use other people's knowledge to make your projects come to life. Like, that's that's my little statement for people who want to make games. Yeah, experiment. See what works for you. See how it works. If you don't start, yeah. you don't go. You can never the finish line if you never take a step. Just as a sort of a side, we've had a uh, question in the chat that oh. James is talking talking about in the chat at the moment uh, from Savvy Game. Hello. So, how do you feel about Fallout seventy six? <laughs> so, Fallout seventy six. I haven't looked at very much of the previous controversies. Um, I still stand by the fact that fact that, but the the evidence of it being a project to test systems in the creation engine. 
Um, everything, it still just looks like a huge beta test. That's that's all it looks like. It looks like a huge test for their networking systems to be interconnected online, for their um, for their their access to using the creation engine to do um, multiplayer, because their previous titles had not been multiplayer. The only thing that they did have that was multiplayer was um, the uh, online studio. The, uh, the the actual MMO, which is a totally different wheelhouse than what I imagine they're trying to do. So it, it, it kind of looks like they're, they they approached a project backwards, trying to take a single player game and make it multiplayer instead of trying to take a multiplayer system and make it better for single player. Yeah. Because Elder Scrolls Online obviously works. It's been alive. It's still one of the top MMOs. I believe it's beating out uh, WoW at this point. I know. I know WoW has fallen significantly in its population, which I have a I have a an expectation. I think I talked to James about it yesterday, um, but I have an expectation about WoW Classic that we'll touch base on later. Um, As far as gameplay goes, it was an okay Fallout game. It was a, an okay sandbox. The expectation I had for the project was not very high. Their responses have not been good. But I also think it was a big hit to, to Bethesda, specifically Bethesda, because Arcane has been kicking ass. It has been kicking ass. Machine Games has been doing all right. Yep. Really, it's just the Bethesda game studio, not the not the publishers. Um, and if you think you think um, they they should become primarily a publisher rather than a developer, well, I still think they should try and keep developing. Because I mean, like, Skyrim was fun. People liked Skyrim. Sure, it was buggy and glitchy. I think the single player projects are really where they're gonna shine, because they give people a good solid stand uh, sandbox standard. Yeah, we don't really have a, a standard. Outside of you know Bethesda for for sandbox games, our how weird story-driven sandbox games. How many console generations is Skyrim on? All of them. Like <laughs> some think twenty, man. That's that's condensed it down to SNES. All of them. <laughs> that's my point. Like, can Bioware? I mean, not Bioware. Can can they make a great? All the good, all the companies did not have B names: Bioware, Bungie, Bethesda. Jesus. Yep. Um, can can they make a great single player game? They can make a good one. You can't say Skyrim hasn't had legs. Like, it's it has been the bog standard for forever. Mm-hmm. Like for for deck for for deck decades. Decade uh, for a decade, decade. a decade. Singular. Now, when's the last time you heard of a single-player game having that long of a lifespan? A single-player game, not a multiplayer game. A game that's purely single-player. Nothing. Like it, it's really just the Legend of Zelda series. Like that's it. But it's still a series. But like it, yeah. it has legs. But like it, you haven't heard of one singular Legend of Zelda game out of speedrunning. And granted, Skyrim has great speedrunning too because of how budgy, buggy it is. <clears throat> the only other thing comparable is Dark Souls, and 
that's only because of the the way the development team went about it and how viral it got. Like, yeah, because it was Demon Souls originally was just import only. Yep. Especially over here from Japan and America, because that's how I got a copy. So there was an import company, they got copies of the American Demon Souls over, and because of the legend of that, because it was only because of hearing about how hard it was, that's what gained traction. That's what turned it into Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro. Mm-hmm. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. Very powerful. <laughs> Minecraft. There was not a single ounce of advertisement for it until uh, I think Microsoft got a hold of it and started getting like sad, web ads. But sad story out of Minecraft this week. Yep. Oh yeah, very yes. The, it was the ten year anniversary of Minecraft. The creator wasn't invited due to comments made. Yeah, I understand, but at the same time. It, it it was his project. Didn't he make it by himself? Yep. That's like saying, to new Windows release, let's not invite Bill Gates. Like, you know, he, he's the guy who, one of the people who single-handedly brought it up from nothing. It's like saying, thinking, Elder Scrolls 6, let's not invite Todd Howard. Yeah, right? No. Todd Howard will always be involved. Like, I want Todd Howard to always be the pitch man for Bethesda. He really should just, like, as far as everything goes, he he is the reason I'm sure that people are still, like, hopeful for projects. That's the thing, like, that's the, we've talked about Bungie, we've talked about Bioware, they don't have a pitch man like Todd Howard. Like, Todd Howard can go out and get you hyped for shit. Like, that that is a big deal in that today's media. I think that's the reason why people they still like you said they still have id gearbox, you know, they're all still making great games. But like Todd Howard could still come out and get you pumped for shit. Yep. And he's like and he doesn't look like he should be able to. He, <laughs> he's like he's really not an exceptional like visage. He doesn't have an exceptional voice, but what he does have deadpan. He does have he, he has, has this miraculous prowess of using what he has. He has finesse. Yeah, he, he accentuates the positive sides and negatives of himself, which is one of the best things you can do. Like fa Fallout Shelter? Like, I, I was never, like, the build-up. Like, go back and watch that press conference. Watch the him, him talk up Fallout Shelter. Right? Like, it wasn't, he wasn't except, she wasn't like, you know, this is the greatest thing. He just said, you can do this. You can do that. This is new. And it was just like, oh, and by the way, you, you know can what? play it today. <laughs> Maybe. What? <laughs> Whoa. Maybe I will. <laughs> and fun fact, I did. I did install Fallout Shelter. I did too. It wasn't uh, bad. No, it, it's, it's pretty okay. Like, as far as mobile games go, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty it, right on par. Uh, I I would play it over the alternative games that are of a similar nature. Yep. And then Alicia like... Lemon streamed a whole series on Twitch about it. She made char the characters in there have their own backstory, biographies. Yeah, it's, it's it's a small project. So here's the, here's the other thing that was very interesting about you know all of Bethesda's projects is that it 
they're they're letting their dev teams just kind of and this is this is true of Zenimax just in general. This is the reason why Zenimax is going to be the the titan amongst the titans. And not just is going to be is is currently the titan amongst titans. If you think about all the games that have so much hype for them, I mean, you've heard us Rage 2. Are you kidding? Like who gave a shit about Rage 1? We all want Rage 2. I do. Who, it looks <laughs> it looks like a yeah. it looks like open world doom. It, it, with it's, a leveling system. I'm like, this is this is my shit. This is a first. I, I'm so excited. I, I'm pre-ordering it today. Like, I'm I don't pre-order games. I want Rage 2. I was okay. Rage 1, I think, got overhyped because they were it was id coming back. And everyone wanted Doom. Everyone wanted more Doom. They wanted you know a, a throwback to the classic Doom, but they got uh a different project. And then the devs made it because they wanted to make a different project. And it looks like it was an attempt towards a, a sequel to or a, a different version of Doom. But they just went, this isn't Doom. We're going to keep going. Fuck it. Like, that's the thing. They give their devs the freedom to go do what they want. They're combating that burnout. We're not getting problems with the huge dev teams just like having to just leave. Like major developers just having to walk away because they're like, we can't work on this anymore. We're just so sick of it. The id team went and made Doom VFR because they said, guys, we got an Oculus Rift. Let's play with it. You know what would be cool? What if you could be the Doom guy in Oculus Rift? Right. Why don't we do that? (laughs) That's exactly what happened. They're just like, we we have a bunch of assets already. We're just going to start programming and playing around with crap. Let's be honest. Doom VR happened because the Doom team got an Oculus Rift and probably in their off time. Was, was was like playing Doom levels, and then Todd Howard came in and be like, "Hey, this is pretty cool. Hey, why don't we just sell this?" And then they're I like, don't think "Todd Howard's can... involved with the id team. I think the id team is their own." Don't ruin my head cannon. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's fine because that I think that's how how blades happen. I think Todd Howard went in seeing them playing with Oculus Rift, and he was just like, "Oh, that's really neat." While playing uh, the Doom RPG on his phone, and he goes, "Wait." Maybe Blades. Maybe I can Skyrim on here. <laughs> How do I get more Skyrim? <laughs> How do I get more Skyrim? Let me let me tell you, id team, let me tell you about Skyrim. Todd, please go away. <laughs> <laughs> You're creeping us out again. <laughs> but but hang on, I'll, id. Let me let me ask you something, Todd. You really need to go. All right, but but remember, I need to ask you this. I want to talk to you about Blades. If I talk to you about Blades, I can get Andrew WK to hype your game. Oh, fuck. Fine. Uh, Come talk to us. Fine. <laughs> it is Andrew WK. <laughs> I think we covered that earlier on in the podcast, didn't we? The Bioware We did, Sam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sammy, uh, you're, and you are absolutely right. Uh, Bioware looks less and less like Bioware. There are other companies out there that look more like Bioware because they're run by people who are Bioware. Yeah, <laughs> we're from Bioware, the actual Bioware, um, which gives me hope. I mean, look at Obsidian, like doing coming out with like Outer Worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that like, yeah, I'm excited personally for the System Shock 2 remake that they're doing. That I, I'm pretty so excited good. about that. Um, oh. In general, though, like this is this is my broad stroke statement. The big towers, the ivory towers of gaming uh, development have fallen. 
Like, it, there's, there's been speculation. There's been speculation throughout the years of, like, oh, India is overtaking, India is overtaking. It has at this point. The India major isn't devs, India anymore. India is just regular development houses. <laughs> that's, that's what it is now. It, it's gone back to the Wild West days. But there are some structures in place for, for larger development projects. It's not so much guys in their basement anymore. Or, or like dudes on their work PCs after hours, but you know it, it's it's harkening back to similar times. It's, where... it's harkening back to the beginning of video games when there weren't a lot mm -hmm. of publishers, and there's just a lot of develop people making their own development companies, and now those now we're back to like the major the 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 original people like the big companies the the Bethesdas the after. They're like picking up small production companies that are making projects that they really like. Microsoft. I mean, look at Microsoft is literally doing that. Microsoft is just trying to consume as many small dev teams as they can, like with with significant projects. And I mean, that's the way that's the way a, a AAA title uh, titling system would work in today's. And know, and, and to be honest with you, I like I kind of in as much as our as a, we we're against corporate overlords. Some of them do good things. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, we look at Amazon with Twitch. They basically bought it, funded it, and then left it alone. Have They've crept a few features in. Some of them not popular. Some of them very popular. But it, but it's it's made sense. I, you know, Pillars of Eternity 2 was a great game. I've had a lot of fun with it, but it didn't hit the sales goals that they were looking for. And it put that studio into issues. And then... Um, Microsoft came and bought them and gave them capital, and that was going to allow them to continue to make projects. That's a good thing. A studio that made a good game that wasn't as huge as a commercial success because they had to build their own system for a ground up, and able to, and now they're able to keep continuing making games. Those are the types of things we're going to see more and more from these big behemoths. Um, the, here's here's the dangers. Here's the here's the problems, and this is stemming out of. Three out of the big four. Three out of our... our I'm going to start calling these the Cardinals. Because I just realized there's four of them. Um, and they're all kind of distributed. I, I'm, I, gotta, I gotta figure out where Activision is headquartered. I think they're still in California. So I don't think we have any big... Well, he's South. looking at Sammy. I, uh, Pokemon, it's, it's a thing. It's always going to yeah. be a thing. Pokemon um, will never die, but that's it, that's because it, there's the connection between age groups. Yeah, I, I to be honest with you, as much as as much as you we have about it, I played Red, I played I've played every Pokemon generation that's come out. Not and it's only be, it is just because it's for me it's it's that RPG itch. Like nobody, as much as it is, it's it's a simplistic color fighting system RPG level up. Like it it checks a lot of boxes. I'm gonna play it because I'm gonna get it because my girlfriend likes it, and it's it's on the Switch, which means I can take it wherever I want. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's as far as JRPGs go, like the the main bread and butter of the RPG world is Pokemon. Like that's the most popular JRPG out there. Yeah, and that's never gonna change. That's never gonna change. Um, it, it's I mean I I say it's never gonna change. It's gonna be a battle between them and Final Fantasy pretty recently. Um, I mean, how many kids played? I mean, the thing is, they hit lightning on the bottle because they brought a JRPG to a mobile format, and mm -hmm. a lot of people, a lot of kids in the '90s, could afford that. 
Like their parents could like my parents like, oh, the kids are antsy in the car. Well, but we bought them Game Boys and gave them Pokemon. And now they're just quiet in the car because yep. we're sitting there playing fucking Pokemon. And even easier, like you didn't have to like you could you could bring the console to your friends and it yeah. wouldn't have to be a huge endeavor. You didn't have to unplug a whole bunch of shit to do it. You just and had you to could trade. Trading it, was it, huge. That's the one thing that the modern outlook changed that I I do have a, a nostalgia spot for the uh, the ideals behind um, the trading systems. Um, the trading systems were literally designed and originally intended for people to always be physically close to each other. It was supposed to be a physically social interaction. You were supposed to find your other Pokemon trainers as people and trade Pokemon digitally. And that's one thing that got lost in, you know, the, the broad stroke of internet, which is a little saddening. But at the same time, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It was inevitable. That's just my little side note. It, nothing, nothing exceptional on that. Just a little, a little sad, sad note to the, the happy joy of uh, Pokemon being so expensive and profitable. And my my bit is, I may go watch the film. I may see the the, the Pokemon film because it looks fun. To be fair, yeah. But other than that, I, I have no other opinion on it. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm saying I have no opinion. <laughs> <laughs> that's a safe bet. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I mean... news. <laughs> Sorry, you can say. Yeah, yes. Oh, I wanted to get back to that train of the the Cardinals and you know how how much everything has fallen. So really, Zenimax is the only one who's truly standing up. Um, you all, I, I've said this previously, and I, I keep saying it, but Ubisoft has been just failing on the majority of its titles. I think Fallout is the not Fallout. Uh, Far Cry is the only one that's really been like making headway. I don't think anyone really cares about the Assassin's Creed series. Like, out of out of just dedication to the title, it seems like people keep playing it. Out of out of dedication to the title for Activision's projects, it seems like people people keep playing it. Um, I think Call of Duty is the only one out of Activision that's really standing on its own. Um, Bungie's gone, so like Destiny and and Call of Duty were what it really was. Wow is Wow's fallen, and this is where I'll <clears throat> insert my Wow Classic statement. The rose-tinted goggles of Wow Classic are, are going to be broken by playing this, because people aren't people. I'm I am a hundred percent certain people are going to be going back and going, Wow, why is this system that's in here really stupid? And it's because Wow was released in two thousand four. Do you want to know? Uh, here's here's a funny thing. Um... Blizzard Activision released their uh, fine did had their had their shareholder call two mm -hmm. days ago. Their stock dropped four percent, mm -hmm. even though they beat their expected numbers. Do you want to know what their biggest financial gains were? I want to say it was either Watch or it was something. Real. I don't have the the titles up there. Hearthstone. No. Their biggest financial games are not from video games, but selling Overwatch team franchises in cities. 
Yeah, I could see that. Think about that. Yeah. The video game company is not making video games. <laughs> think, no, it, they're not making... But you have phones, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have phones. But you have phones, right? That was a fucking... That, that one was a marketing problem. And oh, honestly, yeah. it, that that hit them hard. <laughs> that hit them real hard. They were having... Pro- so they were on a downward spiral to begin with. And Diablo could have been the saving grace. And again, it still can. Was, we get, all they had to do was say, we gave our devs the freedom to go do something they wanted to do. They decided they wanted to work on a mobile project. And we decided Diablo was a great way to do it. So we're bringing Diablo mobile. And not, not that it, not that not that to... investment that we got from Tencent. No, that wouldn't be it. No. Well, you know what it is. Is Tencent is just going to buy out all their assets. Once they fall, Tencent is going to own the assets. This, this is weird, Dougie. We're supposed to raid you. What not, the hell? Not not the other way around. Dougie, what? <laughs> Dougie, <laughs> we raid you. That's not how this works. Guys, did we Elseworld? What, what's going on? <laughs> I'm going off on a tangent. I'm on my soapbox. Dougie's raiding us. I don't know what's really... Uh, Will doesn't have an opinion. I t- what the hell? What is this, guys? <laughs> Leave. Leave. This is wrong. I, d- uh, I don't know what's The only on. thing that makes sense is that I'm playing a game while we're podcasting. Oh, good. Thank God. Okay. I, I have one anchor. <sighs> Some normality. <sighs> okay. <sighs> we can breathe, everybody. It's fine. It's fine. Well... Speaking of what we have, we are playing, what we have been playing, dude, Chris, what have you been playing? Final Fantasy. Just, just a shit ton of it. Fucking Bloody shit. Ton of it. Like, like a lot. Any like progress in it? I uh, no. <laughs> it's an MMO. You don't make progress. You just you run get on further away wheel. from the start. You don't get closer to the end. <laughs> Not the um, not the best MMO story ever, though. Best MMO story is a guy who's reached max level in WoW by never fighting a single mob. <laughs> Just doing all the repeatable fetch quests. No, not even that. He didn't even do quests. From mining and gathering herbs and creating potions. Oh, yeah, because WoW's class system has it that your crafting applies to your core. Yep. I forgot about that. I've played WoW for a, a single stint of three months in cl- uh, Cataclysm. Um, I, <laughs> I, I was on, uh, fuck it, was it Mugthal? I think it was, was the server. And I gained the economy and just made bank. And then I took that same principle, turned around and applied it to Rift and made bank and did nothing with Rift. I never got like even halfway to max level on Rift. I just I farmed up low-level mats, and that was it. Final Fantasy's economy is very different from WoW. Very different from WoW, and that's one thing that's really interesting to me. Um, I'm on Mateus, which is one of the core roleplay servers. The big three roleplay servers are Balmung, Gilgamesh, and Mateus. All of them, I think, are on Crystal for the data center. Yeah. Um, and the markets for here and the other data centers are so drastically different enormously different which is good because the uh the the market here is kind of easier to step into if you're trying to make money as a player there are some very simple ways 
Um, at the moment, I'm just doing crafting because I have started a free company, which I believe I announced last week. We are still looking for people as well. We are on Mateus. Anyone in Crystal is welcome to join us as far as that goes. Um, we are roleplay focused with uh, goals to form a rating team and form content clearers. Um, the ultimate goal of it is to allow people who have a hard time finding groups to clear content uh, to help them with that, to help completionists go through uh, all of the quest lines. Um, I know I've, I think, pulled uh, some of our members in unsynced and just blew up bosses that were a pain in their ass to try and fight because nobody queues for them. Yeah. Um, so I've had to solo bosses that are on stupid difficulties. It, it's it's fun. It's fun, it's unique, and it's different. Um, having a small free company and not having the backing of... Being, being the lead backer, basically. At the moment, uh, it, it's basically me and, and one other person fueling this whole project. And it's, it's fun. It's unique. Different. Um, but of course, we're looking for members. We're looking for play. We're looking for craft. Um, if you want a, a, a unique and dynamic crafting system, um, it, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, crafting is its own like ability check. You have abilities for crafting that aren't just like, make the thing. Click the button. Have it done. There's like DPS rotations for making gear. There's uh, all sorts of stuff. Like it's not let me run to the point and click the button ten thousand times. Albeit that's what I'm doing right now, just because I'm I'm just grinding the uh, the thing. I'm not like trying to to specifically get something. I'm just gathering in general. Um. I'm just trying to level via grabbing shit, and then I'll sell a bunch of it later. But, um, yeah, it's crafting is actually fun. It's, it's different. I, I, I love crafting in games to begin with. I play survival games left and right because I love gathering materials and making something and then seeing that something come to fruition. Um, the raids are interesting. The hard part, of course, is getting all the way up to the point where you can do the raids. Uh, that is that is a long slog because you have to go through levels 1 through 50, and that alone takes a while. And then once you hit level 50, you have to go through all of the level 50 quests that were the end of A Realm Reborn. Right. After that, you have to go through all of the quests 51 to 60, and then all of the quests at the end of Heaven's War. And then you have to go to all the way to level, you know, one to sixty, one to seventy, and then all of the end quests in seventy, and in between you have these weird side quests. So, the questing system in this also it, it, the map system is bad. I will say that the map is awful. It does not help you very much. Um, the quest tracker I think is better than WoW, better than Rift. Um. They organize it very clearly. The icons are very distinct from one another for what provides and what doesn't. Uh, you have your icon that states, you know, this is a main story quest. This is something that will progress the main plot line of the game. Um, you have an icon that indicates this is something to unlock a different region or uh, system. 
there are functions behind this. And then you have one that is, this is just a quest for questing sake. Or to unlock, you know, emotes or, you know, something basic. Then you also have your fates, which are random quests that spawn around the world. That have uh, their own little individual system. You have lev quests, which are designed for leveling, but don't do a very good job at that. Uh, for classes outside of crafters and gatherers. And, of course, you have your... Uh, what was the last one? There was a, another weird one. I don't remember. Guildests, I think it was. Which are... I don't... They're, don't do them. Don't bother. <laughs> do, it, do it for the completionism at the end, but nobody gives a shit. Um... Yeah, it's, it's good. At, at the moment, I would say that Final Fantasy is the best MMO out on the market. Wow. I mean, so, the, <laughs> WoW, WoW is not very good at this point. Yeah. We'll say that. Um, Rift is very WoWy, and I just, I don't know what it is, but I just couldn't stick to it. It might be because I didn't have enough people, you know, involved. Or it might just be because there were some weird, like, pay-to-win things. By the way, there is no pay-to-win for Final Fantasy. Uh, there's pay-to-aesthetic and pay-to-not-have-to-walk-a-thousand-quests-to-get-to-the-levels-you-want. But that's it. Like, you, you can pay to get to level 60, and you can pay to skip quests for the main right. story. And then, of course, you can pay for aesthetic shit. Um, there are a lot of little weird, you know, quirks that I can see a lot of people not getting used to. Um, mm -hmm. I found a guide for Final Fantasy for WoW players. So if you were looking for an MMO to transfer to and you were thinking, maybe I'll try Final Fantasy because it is pretty looking and it has high reviews, there is a guide for, for WoW players. Uh, I'll dig that up again. I saw it the other day and I just haven't put it anywhere. Um, uh, what else about it? They're doing weird things with the servers right now. Um, if you wanted to get... They just recently changed a bunch of things. So the problem they have is that the high population worlds are really high population. So if you join a high population world like Mateus, like Balmong, um, probably like Gilgamesh, uh, you're going to have, one, a wait time to get in because they have only so many slots they can fit people into. Um, but two... Uh, Worlds that have, what they, they refer to them as preferred worlds. They have congested worlds. They have, oh, I can't remember what the other term is, but it's restricted worlds, basically. And they have um, preferred worlds. If you join a low population or a preferred world, here's the thing with it. You can visit other worlds in the same data center. So you have your main servers, which is Crystal, Aether, Primal for the US. I don't remember the European ones. Um... And you can go and visit any of the worlds on there. So it doesn't really matter which one you join. The difference is you can't join the free companies. So if you're on Crystal, you can be in one server and go visit another server. You can just go hang out with your friends. You can go do dungeons. You can go quest. Um... If you're a role player, you can go visit them. You can role play. You can be present. You can walk around with your buddies. Um, 
you could do anything that they can do. The only thing you can't do is you can't uh, join their free company. And that's it. Um, so there's really no point to being dedicated to one specific server. Uh, if you spawn on a free world or a preferred world, leveling up and doing things on that free world or that preferred world um, gives you rewards. It gives you benefits. Uh, also, if you want to sign up, let me know because there's a refer a friend program. And, you know, I would get neat things. You would get neat things. Everybody's happy. So, yeah, I've been playing this a lot. <laughs> I've been missing MMOs. I like I, I get the feeling that I think James has been having this issue too. Our 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 generation has gotten to the point where we've played through things that are MMO like and it just hasn't been enough. We've our our mainstay of MMOs have fallen or just aren't populated enough. And we just want the MMO experience again and we're in a drought. We're in a drought. High quality MMO releases that really hit check off all the boxes we're looking for don't really exist. I, I can say for certain Final Fantasy does not check off every box in my MMO requirements. It checks off the most important ones and I've settled with that. Would you, would you concur, James? It's, it's not quite that it checks off all the boxes. I, I, but play, I have played pretty much every major MMO release that has come out. And every mm -hmm. looter shooter comes out. I, nothing for me. Nothing will be able to capture. It was Wrath of the Lich King. Wow, that was the height of my MMO experience. I was in a raiding guild. I had a lot of fun. I had people I wanted to talk to and see every weekend, and raid with and have fun with. And essentially, that's going to be my white whale going forward. Like you said, mm -hmm. it's just trying to relive that experience. And Final Fantasy is nice because I have people I can talk with and stuff. <clears throat> the yeah, gameplay, the, the game—I mean, the gameplay is not bad. It has some interesting stuff. Um, I have to get used to the job system and crafting, but yeah, it's 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 it scratch it's scratching an itch right now. But that exactly. being but that being said, you know, I might start scratch wanting to play a looter shooter, and I may go back to Destiny Two or play Borderlands Three. Yeah. But I, but it's filling the MMO void now. Precisely. That that's ultimately what it is. It is it is the best choice at the moment for that MMO. It hits, it hits the requirements, but not all of the, the the the. It's not scratching every itch. It's scratching the main itch. Right. So is that all you've been playing this week? Yep. Cool. I played a little bit of League, but like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's there for us it's a social game to me <laughs> Fair i don't play it for league i play it for the friends <laughs> i've also been playing final fantasy and football manager i don't think i need to say anything more right nope you're good <laughs> i think i hit everything you needed for final fantasy it's like oh, actually you know what how was your experience in going through final fantasy storyline and everything uh, I know what, you, let's grow it, but like what, uh, I have skipped good. every cutscene. I have no idea what the story is. <laughs> That's fine. Most of us don't either. <laughs> I will be honest with you. I have yet to watch a Final Fantasy cutscene. 
Like, it starts, I'm already hitting escape and, like, skip, skip. I'm like, I don't, like, I get that there's a story, but at the same time, I'm not invested. <laughs> like, I think it's Mr. Happy who has the, the lore guides. One of the, one of the major members has a big lore guide where they just go over what the lore is for, like, certain sections and certain chapters. All I know is and they like, do it patch by patch. There's, like, so a like, sci-fi armory people that aren't even showing up, and I'm fighting undead guys, and now I'm a paladin because I was a gladiator. And, like, the main gladiator woman who I learned shit from is pissed off at the guy who wears the red tunic for whatever reason... <laughs> and now I'm fighting undead cultists. Yeah, that, that's that was kind of like my go through as well. I I really didn't care that much about the lore in general, and that there um, are primals and they want to destroy the world, and we're supposed to beat the shit out of them. That's about it. That's, yeah, that's what I got. So here's a little gist of the story: is um, a realm reborn starts off, and you have basically air quotes amnesia. Um, they, they start off at the end of the original launch of 14. So A Realm Reborn is the ending of uh, patch 1, of version 1, was a retcon. So something happened. And I don't know what it is. Um, I forgot. They, they, they mention it at, at lore things. But everything that happened in there was undone. And people have like some vague, some characters, there's uh, allusions to some vague memories of things existing, but like not really anything. Uh, so we're, we're sent out, we join up, we're, we go to our starting city as just like young starry-eyed adventurer people or however you want your story to be. Um, my my character's story, Leotis's story, was that he went to Ulda to uh, <clears throat> try and break into the industry so that he can fuel his research endeavors. Because um, he is a, a scientist. A, a magic scientist. And ultimately we get roped into some weird plot to bring forth these uh, ancient beings, referred to as primals, of course who drain the world of its like life force when they exist. And if they exist for too long, the world ends. Uh, that's basically what it is. So we got to stop that. And that's, that's, that's as far as the story as I'm going to go. Because that's about where, where James is as far as understanding. <laughs> as you progress through, as you pass other milestones and start like seeing things, I'll, I'll describe more. But basically we're trying to hunt these like demigod things that uh, will consume the world if not dealt with. And we're part of a weird secret society that's not really all that secret. So standard then. <laughs> yeah, they're basically the Freemasons. They're basically the Freemasons of Final Fantasy. Only more involved, I would say. And really hard to get to. Yeah. I just hope they don't get the nipples out when they they're around, just like, oh, you're a Mason then, are you? Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> How how's things going with um football manager though, James? Good. Uh quick recap, we won the treble. Right. Uh with, with my with my Tick Whippies team. Uh we won the Premier League, the Champions League, and the Caballero Cup. And um 
I'm at the point now where I'm not selling players anymore. I'm not even buying players. I just have the same team, and I'm just sticking with them. You just give them a shit, shit ton of long, like long contract, like maybe about what ten, fifteen years ago. Boom! There's your money. There's your contract. You're with us. Let's there, go. There's just this. there. I will. I do have to say is I have a lot of players that are that have English nationality. Yeah. Um, but to give you my and I'll give you the quick rundown of my starting lineup. Uh, goalkeeper is Mexican. Uh, f- uh, I have my defense. My left back and right back are Brazilian. Uh, my center backs are Brazilian and uh, Danish. Um, my midfield is Brazilian. My attacking fo- my attacking uh, players are Belgian, Spanish, German, and Italian. Um, my bench is Brazilian, Romanian, one English player, Uruguayan, <laughs> Italian, one Scottish player, and another Italian. You could have a token English guy, haven't you? I, I, ha- I literally have to. <laughs> one singular token Englishman. His name's Tommy Bowler. <laughs> That's a very English <laughs> name. He's, uh, he was born in Manchester. Apparently he's fluent in Dutch. Nice. That, that being said, like I, I have a lot of internationals, like a lot of internationals, but that's mainly because I bought all the international, the good players young. So like they're all, they all came through my youth system. So like, they are all like, I'm declared for Spain, but I've lived in England for the last six years. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> technically an English citizen. But not. Um, I'm trying to find my best. I have two really good. I have a really good English prospect though, who's coming up. I gotta find him. I'm looking at the game right. Uh, Ed Winterton. Uh, he is a striker. He is fifth, 16 years old, already worth a million pounds. He was born in Havent. Uh, he's level-headed, and they are calling him the, uh, oh, what were they calling him? Uh, they're calling him the next Alan Shearer at 16. That's quite a name already. Yep. <laughs> And I also have a, uh, a a American right back who is uh, who came through our youth system, who was born in Connecticut, so I kept him, and uh, <laughs> he's supposed to be like the he's uh, he's already he's seventeen years old. He's already playing for the men's national team. Nice. So you get them trained up early. I do. I buy like I I'm, I'm I buy all like the they sit there like my the striker I have uh, his name is Daniel Setti. And he's German, um, but I bought him. He's 22, but I've had him since uh, one, two, three, four, five. I've had him for six years. So I I bought him when he was like 18. Yeah. <laughs> and I've just 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 22. No, I bought him when he was 16. <laughs> so it's like. Yeah, there, there's a lot of, like, 
there's a lot of foreign players in my squad, but they've all been here. <laughs> if it works, do it. You know, it's been successful. I, so. Do you want to hear what the biography that they have on me? Go on, then. So Football Manager has, 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 has written a biography on me. Um, Tigwipi's FC legend James Atkinson was born in Hartford, Connecticut on June 24th. He made 45 appearances and scored 18 goals for his country. Because I could probably do that right now playing for the US Men's national team. He enjoyed the phenomenal success at Tigwipi's FC, lifting nine titles and winning 10, com- 10 cup competitions. Atkinson has shown a preference for younger pl- talent during his time with Tigwipi's FC, with an average age of player bought standing at just 23 years old. Uh, James Atkinson's first non-playing roles with Tigwipi's FC, F- uh, FC's head coach. During his time with the Streamers, yes, that's our nickname is the Streamers, Atkinson has lifted the English Premier Division uh, twice, Skybet Championship, League One, League Two, Vanarama National League, the FA Championship Trophy twice, European Champions League Club once, FA Tro- English Trophy once, the Caballero Cup twice, the Community Shield once, the Checker Trade Trophy twice, English Southern League One Central d- once, the Vanarama National League, the, the uh, English Southern League Cup, and the English Southern Premier League Central. Atkinson has also earned recognition for in the soccer community for his achievements and has won the National League Head Coach of the Year and has also won it as the English Premier Head Coaches the last two seasons. That is quite a CV on you. <laughs> I've got... Uh, I'm, I'm considered an English coaching legend and the yep. widely considered to be the best uh, coach, uh, a United States coach of all time. Uh, when asked, do you want to do the, the national the national state team? James went, not bloody likely. No. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, My total record for the club is I have an uh, 89% win percentage. Wow. 7% draw, 5% loss. Mm. Um, my, uh, I'm trying to hang on. Let's look at the career stats here. Uh, I've only been with the club. I've bought in 189 players. Um, I've been with uh, the club for 3,330 years. Yeah. I've um, I've won 41 awards. Um, I've only earned three million dollars, though. So it means like I haven't been taking a hard a large salary. Uh, my va- my value as a coach apparently is 407 million dollars. Um, oh no, that's how many players I bought is 407 million and I've sold on players for 457 million. So I'm turning a profit with the players I'm selling. The highest fee I've ever spent on a player is 2.7, uh, 27.5 million pounds. The highest fee I've ever received for a player is 97 million pounds. So you're very frugal with your money. I I buy them young and sell high. <laughs> That's what I do. Um, I'm cur- uh, Hall of Fame. I'm nationally ranked one in England. Wow. I am ranked as the best coach in England. That's over Pep Guardiola and some other crazy stuff. Um, I've had nine week league wins, ten cups. I've never been relegated. Um, the... <laughs> 
I've had my team score a hundred, uh, 1,771 goals, and we've only conceded 325. <laughs> that is quite a difference. Yes. That's quite a goal difference. <laughs> yeah. We've, I've, I've, my teams have played, uh, 542 games. We've won 480 of them. We've drawn 37 of them and lost 25. Uh, I'm prefer my preferred formation is a four three two one. I have a standard coaching style. My my playing mentality is adventurous. My marking style is mixed, and I don't have an. They don't know what my preferred other one is. Um, but yeah, apparently my door my door is always open to my players. I don't like talking to the press, and I they say that I have a propensity not to use naturally born players. Yep. <laughs> Trust, but but when the team when the team goes, we're gonna give you a hundred million pounds, and I'm just and let you scout the world. The first thing you do is okay, let's look at all the Brazilian wonder kids. <laughs> oh yeah, you scout Brazil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that that is that's where I'm currently at right now in my in my save. I have some like I said, I have some good I have some good youth prospects and some good English talent. Um, the, the problem is is that they're kind of. Kind of blocked. Also, uh, for those who are wanting, Corby is still down in the Southern League Central South. Um, mm -hmm. I am. I have set us up as as their parent team. So, what I've actually been doing is um, financially supporting them, letting their players use our training facilities, which are world class, and then I buy mid tier players, and I send them to Corby on loan for two year loan deals. So like they have people who are like could be playing in the Premier League, playing in like non-league football, because I want them to be better. And they're like, oh, we don't want to go. And I said, then I'm terminating your contract. Okay, I'll go play. That's it. That's all I've been playing. Cool. Fair enough. <laughs> so on to myself, and I've completed more games, which is nice. Uh, completed Assassin's Creed Revelations. I, love, I still love the ending of that. That 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 moment where Ezio sees Altair's body in on the throne in the sort the library that, as he calls it, it still raises goosebumps on me. Um, I also did the, the the Lost Archive on it, which is like a DLC, and it explains where at the end of Assassin's Creed. Brotherhood is it? it nice. No, yeah, Brotherhood. You take out one of your friends. You, you know, you gain the, you hold a piece of Eden. It takes over you and it kills one of your friends. Spoilers for a game that's almost you know fifteen twenty years old. Um. So it explains what happens there and why, which I never saw before, and I'm like, oh, okay. So it's, it's good enough to. Go and try, have a look, but be wary because it's the first person stuff like the Desmond Miles levels that can give people such a god awful headache, I tell you. So I'm looking forward to, to continuing on the saga of that. Uh, I have also played more Mass Effect 3, Dragon Age Inquisition, still deep in the deep roads, ironically enough, because that. You know, you explore more of this, and it is a level grind. It does take a while to get into and go through. So hopefully I can actually start making inroads of that this coming week. 
Uh, let's see what other stuff. Um, I actually finished a Sonic game. I don't believe you. It's, it's, it's true. I finished Sonic the Hedgehog 1. <laughs> I got through it. Yay! <laughs> okay, I remembered, like, you know, how Tracker 57 and J-Dub have been playing it, so I kind of saw how to do stuff. <laughs> but still did it. It still counts. So I've completed 29 games for this year so far uh but one of the games i wish i hadn't played let alone completed was a game called roundabout which is set up and designed like a 60s sort of teenage exploitation movie you remember those Mm -hmm. it's really set up like that now the acting is bad in this game i mean you play a character called giorgio who's a limo driver And the way the game works is your limo spins constantly as you're driving. I remember seeing that. That was funny. Yeah, it's... I went, oh dear, what is this? But you can jump as well with it. And the the way you control it is you have to go around these obstacles while you're going to missions, driving people around to go, you know, in the story. But... I, I don't know. I just I just didn't like this at all. It, it just it was so cringeworthy, you know. Something I I just wouldn't recommend anyone playing. I mean, I think the acting is supposed to be as bad as it was, but it just just didn't come across that way to me. And yeah, it was a very forgettable experience. So please, please, please don't play it. Because <laughs> I, I looked at it and went, okay, so we got. a driver with something that's trying to be a weekend at Bernie's ripoff of a, a obviously you know plastic skeleton they're carrying around that basically only appears when you're tripping balls so yeah that that that's pretty much that um I have been playing things like you know Trials Rising and the original Trials HD because I saw Steve McNeil playing it uh with one of his patrons and I just got that itch uh, play some more trials because you know falling off a bike in silly ways and getting hit by demolition balls is always fun um only other thing of note i will say is i did play some more days gone still not impressing me it's still sort of like it yeah it's all right you know i do have a problem with the fact that the fuel economy on the bike i have it's awful. So, you know, you head towards a mission and you think, oh, shit, I'm going to have to go back and refuel because I've not got enough. Because if the bike runs out of fuel, you're pushing it, mate. Whether you're just sitting on the bike, just using your using your feet to just push it along. You know, Flintstone style. Or just get off and walking it. Doesn't matter, you know. So I'm hoping to get a bike or a better fuel consumption. I'm hoping to get good upgrades at some point in this story at the moment isn't grabbing me but i want i want to try and continue on with it and that's pretty much all the stuff i did last week so shout so, outs shout outs indeed yeah uh shout out to mike frost who donated 20 dollars to will's toy clearance for the extra life total so now will on bank holiday monday will be shaving off his beard live on twitch to give his chin a bit of airing through the summer months. 
which is nice you know so now we're up to three hundred and seventy dollars grand total for extra life thank you so much the chat for being here today with us uh for you guys as well i've got to give you guys a shout out because you know you, you guys are awesome too let's be frank let's be frank um and that's pretty much my shout outs this week you guys got it i'm good <laughs> shout out to cosmic gamers yeah shout out to cosmic yeah. gamers and uh and to dougie yeah for the for the raids and uh yeah if that's it uh let's do the thing that we're supposed to be doing and finding somebody to raid and it's not going to be dougie because dougie raided us i guess um so give me a second here while i pull up our friends there's like nobody on right now Okay, I guess we're not raiding anybody. I guess that's why everybody was here. All right, everybody, that's been the show. It's been a ton of fun. I think you guys have all had fun. Okay, everybody, great show. Bye-bye. Now we have good time. Enjoy not raiding and enjoy whatever this channel turns over to. Bye now.